one. Hello and welcome to the Breaking Free podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Francis. And so I'm very grateful and very humble to be joined by Jerry and Amy from The Light Australia. I was on Facebook one day and one of my friends on Facebook, can't remember who it, can't remember who it was now, shared an article or a link to the paper. And I was like, The Light Australia. I honestly had no idea that there was an alternative paper out there. I just thought there was your mainstream and rebel news. Didn't realize that there was like a paper out there that was putting in some good things. I had a look at a couple of um, editions and then I emailed Amy. Oh, actually, I emailed the info or the contact us thing and we made it happen only about a couple of weeks ago. And I'm very grateful to have Jerry here who's, thank you. are you the head writer, Jerry, or one of the main writers of the paper? We, we sort of, we're communists. Right? We don't go into this uh, hierarchy. We're, I like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too old for that anyway. I, yeah. You waste a lot of energy if you're having... Uh, you know, career structures and hierarchies. And we're all volunteers. Uh, I I did an interview with Michael Gray Griffith last year, September last year, and he described me as a retired journalist. I said, I'm, "Retired means you don't get paid, but I'm still a journalist. It's, it's like riding a bike. You learn, you don't you don't forget." And and I'm giving a, a series of lectures on the basics of journalism which are up on YouTube. The next one will be on the 5th of November, which is an appropriate date. Uh, yeah, so, no, we, we don't have chiefs. We're just all Indians. That's awesome. So the paper's volunteer-ran. They're based in WA. Um, I think this needs to be out, out there more. So let's just get to the history of how all this came, came about. I've heard a little bit of it. I heard how you two met, but I'd love for my audience to hear how this whole thing came about and what the goal and the mission of the paper is. And yeah, I'll open the floor to you guys. I'll mute my microphone and speak away. Okay. Well, um, the number one aim of the Light Australia really, and the reason it was created is to act as a bridge, right? We've all got friends, family, neighbours, loved ones who we think are not being told the truth, right? Or not the whole truth. They're getting some some information, some sensitive information, um, and really, or, or they're being blatantly lied to, any one of those, a combination of those things, um, and it exists for for that purpose, to be that bridge. Um, in essence, the paper's not for us at all, the likes of us. Um, it's for those who we would say might be unaware or aren't seeing the information that we think really should be out there. Um, it's an independent newspaper, like you said. Um, it's funded by donations by just regular Aussies, so it's direct donations or the purchase of the paper or purchase of advertising as well. Uh, so we do have a core group of volunteers who manage the day-to-day -day jobs of the paper, but like Jerry said, um, you know, we're all, um, what did you call us, all Indians, no chiefs? Um, so I like to say that, the, um, you know, no one owns the paper. It doesn't belong to any one person. Uh, everyone, you know, there's so many ways to support the paper and everyone that gets involved is part of the success of it, whether it's taking one copy to one friend or buying thousands of them and delivering them to an entire town. And we have both of those scenarios happening at the moment. Um, just before we are chatting about, um, so it's, we started in October last year. Um, so we're coming up on a year. We've got our eight issues in print at the moment and 1,143,000 printed copies of wow. The Light Australia. Yeah, so the first issue was 25,000 copies um, and that was funded entirely by donations. So it did start here in WA 
there was a, a, a group of people who kind of knew each other from different events around here and a couple of key people, um, Dave and Lisa, who were retired and saw, um, you know, there were other newspapers out there. They've got um, Struthers in Canada. They've, they've got the Light UK uh, in the UK and kind of reached out and said, will you help us? We've got this idea. Um, we'd like to bring something similar to here. And it was really key to, to do that uh, and able to start it over here. Um, and then we had a pretty much a core group of volunteers who um, really helped us <laughs> to um, to get things going. So these people mostly knew each other from other events and rallies. And we literally had clipboards looking around these rallies saying, we've got this idea for this newspaper. It, we want to bring it to print. It's on its way. Will you help us? And we had close to 500 volunteers, actually, I'm going to say closer to 400 volunteers before a single page was even printed. That's people who'd put their hand up and said, I believe in this project and I want to be part of it. What can I do to help? So there was no ink on a page and we had people um, signing up and willing to help out. And now we have, we don't know how many, like I said before, we don't know how many volunteers we have now, well into the thousands, we would imagine. Uh, it's pretty special to be a part of. It takes a lot of work. Definitely, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that happens. Uh, every person on it is a volunteer. Um, I made myself a list of all the key roles. So I've got my cue cards here because there's so many. We've got authors, international and national, graphic designers, editorial uh, team, sub-editors, warehousing and handling and storage, uh, relay drivers, hub leaders, distributors, distributor coordination, shipping. We've got four key um, shipping volunteers as well because we break it up into the... Um, quantities because that helps us to manage it, um, advertise coordinators, administrators, cartoonists, public relations, that's what we're doing here right now, uh, and our social media channels as well. So every single one of those functions is performed by a volunteer or a team of volunteers. Uh, the people who get paid are the couriers who ship the paper, the printers who print the paper, and the people who host our website and do the website stuff. So um, it's that to me is amazing. I've got this little sentence here. Um, that it was built from hope, not from fear. Oh, I love that. Uh, uh, it's, so, it's so exciting. I mean, it's just a great thing to be part of. I That's really, awesome. really, really. Mm. That's so cool. I, I just, when I looked at it, I was like, there's fine, There's actually an alternative paper out there for people to have a look at. I haven't seen it up here on the, here on the sunny coast yet, but I'm going to keep an eye out. And when I do, um, definitely going to give it a plug. I think a lot of people need to... Just there is alternative media sources out there. There's not just the mainstream, and this is wonderful. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, and it's in every state, every single state. Even, um, where I'm it? from, even in even in Victoria, where I'm from, even in Victoria, I promise you, there are people buying that paper, and we're shipping it over to them, and they're getting it out there. We've got, um, uh, yeah, I That's promise. So you. cool. No, nah, yeah. that is awesome. Hey, Jerry, I just wanted to ask you about like your history of journalism and how things have changed, Jerry. I'd love to delve into that with you. Yeah. Well, have, have, a, have a look at my lecture on YouTube. because uh, I, I will. In the first lecture, I went right back to the newsroom as it was when newspapers were still the main force in the media. This is before computers when we used typewriters, shorthand notebooks, and the newspaper was set in hot lead. 
So the, the newspaper house in Perth and other big newspaper houses like the Herald and Weekly Times in Melbourne were highs of activity. There were thousands of people working flat out to deadlines and the place had a real buzz. It was an exciting industry. You'll see that in the old movies where everybody's smoking, you know, in the, in the Humphrey Bogart era, everyone's smoking and and, and shouting and, and they're on their old beaten up typewriters. And I think we produced a better product. I'd like to think so. The, uh, the, the big changes, I, I, I tried to find out what happened with contexts of I know who were still active in the mainstream media, including a former editor of the West Australian. I tried to find out why they have censored this huge story, the biggest story of our time. I call it the COVID project. It's only just kicking off. There's a lot more to come. It's all bad news. I think we're going to get a triple whammy, starting with censorship, the misinformation, disinformation bill, 67 pages of it, straight out of Trotsky and Lenin, absolute Iron Curtain stuff. And then we will have the shutting down of cash and the introduction of what's been called the CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency, which gives us what... What appears to be the aim of this exercise, a, a total control from the centre, from the top, as as we hear about with the Chinese Communist Party, where everybody's watched every every hour, and you get you get enough points to be able to catch a plane if you're if you're a good boy and don't cross the street the wrong way. It's, it's bizarre, but it's heading that way, and that's without looking at the disastrous health problems created by these so-called vaccines, the injections, which are deadly and which are the most dangerous product in medical history. Now, all this is still being censored by the mainstream media. And I sort of gave up. Nobody would tell me what happened. I, I wanted to know if, if the editors were brought in somehow, if they would be in wartime for a briefing from ASIO or you're not allowed to publish this stuff. We used to call that a D-notice. That was back in the Cold War. I didn't find out, and I still haven't found out, and I've stopped, find, stopped bothering about it because what's happening now, you might you might remember, if you were in Melbourne, then um, I'd take pity on you because I think the situation there was, was worse than anywhere, one of the worst situations on earth. The Victorian government is notorious worldwide. Dangerous Daniel Andrews, hmm. crazy stuff, shocking behaviour by the Victorian police, shooting shooting young people at the shrine, a sacred site for all Australians, unforgivable. And uh, um, so what's happened after those original big protests two years ago when there were thousands, many thousands, 20,000, 50,000 people out we came to realise over the six months of, of uh, last year that nobody was going to pay any attention to us. They're just going to go on <coughs> with their with their agenda, ignoring us. So we are now turning to doing the job ourselves, creating a new newspaper. We have a lot of a lot of new media over here in Perth. I could rattle off half a dozen people who are 
who are not journalists by trade. I am. I'm one of the few who is actually a newspaper man. And I don't know what's happened to all my old colleagues. They're probably playing bowls or, <clears throat> or fishing or something. I don't know how they can stand it. But I haven't heard from them. And they're not all dead yet. So we have people from all walks of life who just got out there like you're doing now with their phones and their <laughs> cameras, a lot of them just using a phone. And they're going along and doing what journalists are supposed to do. If they're asking questions and um, reporting on what's happening. We, we, and it's I, I take my hat off to them. Originally, originally, quite a few of them were a bit nervous because they think, well, we know we're not trained journalists. But I say, you're doing it. You are. You are. You are the media. And you, Nathan, right now, I mean, the future of this paper is with people like you. And you're just hearing about it. This is the first edition. It's a collector's item. There were twenty-five thousand copies. This is. The eighth edition, 250,000 newspapers in the eighth edition. Now, that is a big print run. Mm. So, in the space of one year, the first year of operation has gone from 25,000 to 250,000. If it's going to go from 250,000 to half a million, it's going to be with guys like you. And it's not, it's not a lot of money. The thing runs on on enthusiasm and volunteers. 500, well, half a dozen people at a stand in the park down there in, in beautiful Noosa or wherever you guys are can chuck in 20 bucks and you've got 500 newspapers, hmm. which are packed off by Amy and in, uh, in Colin in the, in the backyard garage. And they're over, to, they're over to Queensland in no time flat very reasonable transport rates. And the those half dozen people can get themselves organized and take papers around the place. And hopefully we'll have more people who really have a background in business and organization. And that and, and they'll really lift the the output. It's happening it's happening in places where people are getting Pallet loads, 12,000 papers at very, very reasonable prices. <clears throat> I think the reason for the success of the paper, there are two reasons for the success. As you found personally, it's filling a need. People are saying, gee, you know, we've been getting a lot of bull. We need this. Mm -hmm. And the other reason is it's a very good newspaper. I am a newspaper man by trade. I know how to write and, and put a story together. I'm very pleased to have my byline in this newspaper, and I would not be pleased to have it in any of the other newspapers that are published on a daily basis around Australia because they're not doing their job. They have prostituted my trade of journalism. I'm angry about it. I don't pretend to hide it. I've got a lot more to say, but we'll hand over to some younger, younger people there. Thanks for sharing that, Jerry. I really, I really appreciate what you shared. It's um, you spoke from the heart, and I was just sitting there. I was getting goosebumps. It's what's needed right now. We need community. We need people. We need alternative sources because what we're getting is a load of rubbish. And that's well said. I've got nothing else to add to that, to be honest. 
Nathan, you said you told us that you first found the paper because someone sent it to you online. Um, and I think that's great. We really need online stuff. And of course, our paper's online. But um, I think um, if anyone's wondering why why we need a newspaper these day and age, days, you know, in this day and age, does anyone read it? But like Jerry said, we had 250,000 copies of issue eight printed. Um, and it's over a million copies out there at the moment. Imagine if each one of those copies, that 250,000 just issue eight, was read by just two people. Right. Let's say one person gets the copy, they go down to their coffee shop, they read it while they're having a coffee, they leave it on the table when they leave, and the next person comes along. That's half a million people who are seeing, even if all they look at is the cover article and and then they, you know, they read through that. If, that, if they don't get any further than the front page, they're very likely seeing something that they'll never hear on their radio, see on their TV or read in, in other newspapers. Uh, and I think that the print in particular, it's indelible, right? No one can go there and scrub that off a website because it's not on a website. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, it's printed, you know. It would be a lot of work to run around the country gathering up those copies. As far as I know, no one's trying to do it. Um, we've had people find the paper in random places and send us messages online saying thank you. A woman, um, I found it on a park bench here in Perth and, and sent us a message on Facebook. Another person had a copy um, of just one piece of one issue was used to wrap a trinket she bought from an op shop and when she got home and realised what was on the paper, she read both sides and was like, I need to get some of that. She ordered papers and she left us a note in her order and said, this is how I found it. Uh, and those little stories are popping up all over the place of people running into it, I guess. We've we've got to put ourselves in the way of people or put the paper in the way of people for them to find it because online we can send a link to someone that we know. We've got, let's say, we've all got, you know, a few friends that we send things to. Eventually they stop asking or they, they ask us to stop. I don't know if that's happened to you if you've sent things to people and, and they're not, they don't want to see it. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it, it it does happen. And I think the newspaper people can squirrel it away if that's how they feel comfortable reading it. They pop it in their pocket or their bag and they take it home and can can read it and no one knows what they're doing. Um, you know, they, they can read it in the privacy of their own home and digest that information. We had a, a great article um, in issue seven that was talking about television. I think can can relate to the, the newspaper as well. And it talked about getting drunk on the programming because you sit there and you're taking it in at the pace of the programming, pace of the television program. Uh, and if you're thinking or processing speed is different to that, you're actually, your brain isn't catching up with with what's going on. And it's just continuous, just going in this full mm -hmm. stream of input. There's no break. But when you're reading something, you can stop anytime. You don't need to go and push a pause button. You actually just look up from the page and you've got that thinking time to digest. And I think um, another important aspect is that all the articles have references, places to go, suggested further reading. Um, you know, each article is an invitation to go out and do more research, not to just agree or disagree with the information because of where it comes from or, or who you hear it from. Um, that's the whole point, right? To think critically, to analyze information, to apply your own experience, um, to reach an informed decision. And we're not interested in convincing people to think like us. We're interested in encouraging people to do their own research, make up their own mind and to do so with conviction because it's that conviction that will lead to action. 
And like you said, we need our younger people to be standing up. We need that action to be taken in order for us to have a more optimistic future, to stay hopeful, to stay engaged, to stay in in thriving communities. Uh, And so this is very much an opportunity for there to be um, a return to let's think about what we're doing. Let's read this information, but how do I actually think and feel about it? Mm. What am I going to do with that information I've been given? And that's where the print, I think, particularly now when social media is, everyone has it from our, our you know, our young teenagers, the 12, 10, 12 year olds with phones and they're, and they're on it. And you see everybody on the bus, I, don't, I go by the bus a lot and this is what I see. Mm-hmm. Because they're on, actually, to be fair, last week on my bus, two people were reading books. No, I was good. really happy to see that. <laughs> I thought that was wonderful. Um, but I think we are losing the capacity to stop and think about the input that we're having. And um, I'm really seeing that with the newspaper. That's awesome because what's going on is people are getting, they're believing the one source of information and it's through the Tal Live Vision. I call it the Tal Live Vision. That's how it's, that's how it's sounded. It's, it's like, well, they get that one piece of information like, oh, well, Dr. So-and-so says it's safe and effective, so we'll just go and line up and get it. It's like, well, there's another side to this. Like, There's other people standing up, but like the censorship and all that stuff. I love how the paper's not, like no one can censor a newspaper unless it's, like online, you guys aren't. Doesn't sound like it's even online. It's like, well, how can they sense you? It's it's what we need, and then they want to destroy things like this. But it's me really hard to destroy things like this if it's getting numbers the way you guys are, and it's a credit to you. It's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. I think it's awesome too. Hmm. So cool. They're under threat, Nathan. You know, and you're yeah. under threat with mm. this misinformation, disinformation bill. It's, it's hard for people to believe that. In Australia, people of my generation, that anybody would even put forward legislation with that name because it's straight out of George Orwell. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and so this has to be fought. the The referendum we had yesterday on the voice is is, in my view, a, a distraction. And I'm I'll be writing something about this. I'm I'm hoping that that the Liberal Party and Peter Dutton, these guys, are going to have the courage to deal with the real issues now and to oppose with all their hearts this censorship legislation, which is which is aimed at you. It's, it's aimed at all of us who are not in the mainstream media. And the mainstream media are very foolishly going along with it but what's happening is that they, the government is turning the ABC and Channel 7 and, and the newspapers, the West Australian, the Herald Weekly Times, into Pravda and the Peking People's Daily. They, they will get away, they will not be affected by this legislation if they continue to just put out the official story. And they're foolish because they'll be next. Yeah, we, there, there must be solidarity. You you just get divided and conquered. Mm. Uh, so the Liberal Party, if the Liberal Party and the National Party, who are together in Queensland where you are, it's one party, isn't it, the Liberal Nationals, if they do not oppose this 
censorship legislation and team up with our people in the Senate, with the five senators who are who are on the freedom side, and beat this legislation, there can be no excuse for the continued existence of the Liberal Party. If they are not going to stand up for, for the basic freedom of speech, they're no longer a Liberal Party. They shouldn't be there. And in in in, in this is this is really bewitching for people of my generation who grew up during the Cold War, when there was an iron curtain, went then a wall that went through Berlin. There was a song in the hit parade called "West of the Wall, Where Hearts Are Free." This is when I was at school, and we had this idea that the censorship and, and extreme discipline of the people belonged on the that side of the Iron Curtain and on our side with our democracy we're allowed to think for ourselves the whole idea of it's not good enough to try to amend it, this legislation that's coming forward it has to be just thrown out because the whole idea of the liberal democracy of the country that we think we are that we're supposed to be is that people who are educated and free can work out for themselves what is information, misinformation and disinformation, and they don't need Big Brother to tell them. This is a really, really dangerous stuff. And, and with the young guys like you with a, with a program and, and a, an audience, push it hard. The other thing to push hard now, we'll be pushing hard in the paper, is the attack on the cash economy, on cash. Because once you are, once you can up uh, go and spend a twenty dollar note to buy something, and you have to do everything on your phone or your card, every transaction you have is available to Big Brother, and he has you right under the thumb. If he doesn't want you buying something, he'll cut off your money. This is this is not exaggerating. It's happened. So this has to be fought, and, and I don't want to be critical of the younger generation. I, uh, <laughs> that would be foolish me, and, and foolish. I'd look a bit silly, but I do see an awful lot of people don't use and young people that just do everything with their phones, including buying a cup of coffee. Yeah, and I saw a guy the other watch. day. I saw that. Yeah, I, that I had to on. ask him. He, he, he bought a cup of coffee with his watch. We're cutting our own throats. Yep. These are two, these are very big deals. This this censorship legislation. You're in a position to do something about it, and we're, we're certainly working on it. It's on the front page of uh, of the present edition, the eighth edition. And uh, it's a lot more serious than all this business about a voice. Mm -hmm. There are so many voices up there that, that we uh, yeah. And and uh, it's a sad fact of life that there may be half a dozen people in Australia alive. There may be a dozen even who know as much about Aboriginal affairs as I do. And I and I I can't remember the names. I can't off the top of my head. And I haven't seen them in the voice debate. This has been this has been phony. So that's a challenge to the Liberal Party. And that's coming from a bloke who used to be a member of the Labor Party until these mandates came along. Stand, stand up on these real issues 
and show us if you if you have a right to exist. Because if you don't oppose these moves on censorship and on the currency, there's really no place for you. Do you think it's our like? I know for me, I got different beliefs on government. I don't believe that they're the remedy and then they're the saviour. So like, we're the we have the power though. There's six billion of us and about. 10,000 of them. Like, if we all stood up and said, no, all this shit's over. That's how I see it. I see us taking back the power. I don't see any re any remedy in government at all, to be honest with you. That's that's the key point, though. If they censor us and take away our cash, that makes it harder and harder. We must... And we should never have gone along with this nonsense. No. Of, of the power's power. always been with us. Putting up our phones to get into a shop and this sort of a thing. Mm. What was that called? The power's been with us. Like if we had stood up and said no. Exactly. We're yeah. masked. We have the numbers, but people are very programmed to believe that they don't and that they're it's like we are we are we outnumber them every time. Wake, wake them up, Nathan. Get out there, <laughs> wake them up. I'm trying. Yeah, Planting the seeds. Yeah. Planting the seeds, Jerry, it's all I do is plant seeds. Trying to get yeah. trying to get my younger generation off the alcohol, off the junk food, off the porn, off the gambling, off the smoke, off the vape, off the phone, off the video games. We're getting there one soul at a time. That's a really key step of it because when there is so much to distract us, why look up? Why look and see what else is going on? Exactly. You know, we're living this, this happy little um, distracted existence. Um, so good on you. That's that's a good mission to have, and it's a it's an important first step. Because hmm. yeah, otherwise, no one will look up and look around. And, and I love how in. you guys are saying that even in the paper, it's like, do your own research too. It's like, I yeah. say that in every podcast. Don't listen to what me and my guests have to say. Go mm. away and do your own. Don't just fall in line with, with what the TV is telling you or what old mate in a blue tie and a suit's telling you up there on a podium. So you're looking up at him with authority. It's like, go away and do your own research, you know? Yeah. And it's important because this generation will teach the next generation. So if we lose that capacity to, to do research, to think critically, it will be lost for the rest of time. 100%. You know? And unfortunately, inside the school system, they're not being taught how to think critically. They're being told what to do, say, or think. So the, the battle's there, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough battle, that's for sure. I don't think I even said at the top of this what the Light Australia is. Uh, wow, well, we can circle back. <laughs> it's a non-profit. Uh, free, well, it's not free to to print, but it's free to the public. Uh, it's run entirely by volunteers and uh, print stories that the mainstream media ignores or blatantly lies about. Um, our aim is to yeah engage the broader population about world events, counter opinion um, that is not being reported. And, I love it. Uh, yeah. Is it's there anything? Really nice. Is there anything in there? Is there anything in there about? Um, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you a question about what's in there. Is, is there anything in there about like? health and wellness and different things as well or is it just all on the like do you have a section on health and wellness we do yeah so each issue actually it's a good point um if you so our website is thelightaustralia.com uh, and on there we've got digital free digital copies of all of the papers but also our centerfolds and quite often our centerfold will have we had one uh, a couple of issues ago that was comparing um uh the benefits of eating meat or being vegetarian Oh, uh, debates that people aren't having. <laughs> yeah, debates that people aren't having. Uh, and uh, more recently was, you know, home remedies for things that these days 
people might pop out to the supermarket or the chemist for. Oh, I love that. What exists, yeah, and all of those are available as their own download. That's interesting you bring up the home remedies because a lot of the Jerry's age, like my grandparents were all about garlic or different things to have when you have a cold, right? Now the people are going to chemist warehouse getting these toxic medications for stuff. It's like home remedies. Bit of apple cider vinegar and some garlic and you laugh and it's like lemon. Yeah, love it. All for this. Yeah. My mate's mum, Nathan, was a more of a Kogan, a very terrific West Australian scriptwriter, songwriter. Uh, but before before that, she at her early training, she was a pharmacist in Kalgoorlie. When Pete and I were silly enough to admit that we had a sore throat, she would insist on painting the back of our throats with something called man's ointment. And it was horrible. It would kill a brown dog, but it fixed the sore throat. And when when this when this uh, COVID came along, now there are half a dozen theories about what COVID nineteen is, and one of the theories is that it's one hundred percent bulldust. Uh, I I have two bob each way, so I thought, well, if there is a thing such a, a thing making you crook, so I went back to what our mothers used to give us. I grew up in the northern hemisphere, where there's a long winter, lots of snow, and you don't see much sun. So mums would give their kids cod liver oil, horrible stuff, but it's from the North Atlantic cod and it has extra, it gives you extra vitamin D, which you don't get because you're not getting much sun. And there's a new brew that has a bit of orange in it. So I think it's quite so I, I, for the last couple of years, I've been having a couple of uh, teaspoons of cod liver oil. And that's the limit of my medication. I think the last time I had an ejection or anything was, 50 years ago when I went to Africa, that was the, that's the only time I've had a vaccine in my adult life. I mean, you, there was a vaccine for yellow fever. There probably still is. But now that we know how corrupt the whole medical scientific industry is, I think we really need to stay away from doctors and, and remember those sayings from our grandmother, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. In, in the, to, answer you, yeah, to answer your question, in this current edition, there's, this is a... Uh, a story we're just starting, it's a very difficult thing. We're just starting to get into it. It's the the radiation 5G area, which is which is a, a big one. Mm. The people who, who are studying this say it's the new, it's the next asbestos. And in this edition, my story in this edition is a book review of Judy Wallerman's book, which is, I've, I've called, the headline is Undone Science and the Vaccine Racket. And Judy Wildman's book is is uh, published in 2015. It's before COVID-19, but it's very thorough, academic, uh, highly researched uh, look at at the uh, at public health. That's that's her that's her um, her training, and uh, she. She looks at the Australian public health and splits it into two halves. The, the public health up to 1950, halfway through the 20th century, was basic common sense improvements in hygiene, nutrition, the sort of stuff you talk about, the pretty basic common sense of going easy on the booze and smokes, and eating a decent meal and, and getting some fresh air and exercise, not, not wearing a mask and locking yourself in your house. 
hiding under your bed from the dreaded lurgy, <laughs> being healthy, being a healthy individual. It was really only 19, after 1970 that these radical injection policies came along. And when they got really radical in 1990, there were no major diseases affecting Australian children. There was no need for all this stuff. And Bobby Kennedy, in his great book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Good book, by the way. A huge book mm. and a bestseller. Uh, goes back further. He goes back to the original argument between Joseph, uh, between Louis Pasteur, pasteurised milk, you know, the, the, the guy who sort of highlighted germs, and, and they came up with pasteurisation. And, and another Frenchman called Antoine Bacon, and this is not, he was Kennedy. It was, was known as the sort of debate between germ theory and miasma theory. So the question is, is it these horrible little germs that make us sick and destroy our health, and we need to bombard them with pills and potions and injections, or is it more the entire health of our bodies, our, our overall health? This is sometimes known as the terrain or the territory. And I would have thought that the experience with SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, confirmed the territory theory. Pasteur won that argument. And we've had the germ theory ever since, and, and we bombard our bodies with all sorts of medications and pills and potions. And babies in their first year are getting 11 injections of God knows what. And what chance? They're tiny, it's a beautiful tiny little thing like a baby. What chance is it going to have to develop an immune system? Hmm. And the the experience with SARS-CoV-2 is well documented. The, the people who died from this thing, wherever it was, who got sick, very sick, were had what they were calling comorbidities. They were not in good shape. A, a major comorbidity was overweight, diabetic. So I think would have thought that, and people who were well, hardly noticed it. I mean, I might have had a, I had a couple of nasty colds, but I sure as hell wasn't going to go sticking a cotton ball thing up my nose or down the back of my throat. I didn't, I wasn't going to be tested for this nonsense. I didn't believe a word of it. And I, I object very strongly to anybody trying to force me to have it. I flattened him on the spot. Old-fashioned Australian stuff, you know, just don't put up with that sort of stuff. And that's what we need. Otherwise, the country's gone. So that's the point you're making about, about your generation destroying their health with all sorts of silly things. Silly things. That's by, you know, to vape or to smoke is a silly thing. I used to smoke. Of course, we all smoke. The newspaper room, you can probably see from one end to the other. <laughs> it's different. Uh, it's the a other. big style cigarette. Different now. But there comes yeah. a time when you've got to lay off that if you want to survive and mm. start looking after yourself. And, and uh, that's the that's the argument. We certainly it's a very very important area. I think it is. I think it is one of the key areas of overlap. Our movement, we I call us with the resistance. It's also known as the freedom movement, but we're the resistance to this centralized control, and the key. Our key fight is with civil liberties, because as long as governments can retain the power which they've acquired under cover of this COVID nonsense, 
as long as governments can force us to be injected with the drug of the month in order to keep our jobs, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if we're the colour of our skin, doesn't matter what sort of religion we are, doesn't matter whether we're Chinese communists or Pommie Tories, it doesn't matter whether we're heterosexual, homosexual or transsexual. We are slaves or we're dead. So we have to fight this fundamental fight. That's the, that's the real fight, civil liberties. But overlapping that, and in, in my two years of intense involvement in this movement, which I joined after I came down from the north, I had to leave my job in the north because I wouldn't be injected. I've noticed these two overlaps, and one of them is the area that you've raised of healthy living. We find in our group and in our meetings and so on, we find a lot of people are interested in organic farming, regenerative agriculture, as it's called, natural therapies, good living, healthy living, mm. really, really basic common sense. And the other big overlap is really religion. A lot of people are, are looking to the spiritual side of life because they see this as really a huge battle between good and evil. I'm saying. And, and it's it's been an education. I've never had so much Bible bagging in all my life as I've had the last two years. It's been <laughs> quite classy stuff. Unfortunately, all our Bible bashers, our King James Version, I, I don't like the modern translations. But these are key areas. You're onto them. You're certainly onto the... I mean, how is anybody going to think clearly if you're full of booze and drugs and apes and, you know... And watching food. TV programs full of lying, cheating, and stealing, and sex. Yeah. That's basically what's going on right now. Designed to make you brain dead. Correct. Farmer wants a ride on lawnmower. Channel 7 special. <laughs> For goodness sake. People must watch it because they run it in prime time. Yeah. Mm. There's even a show about people watching a show. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're yeah. getting. Yeah. And it's called a program for a reason too. That's they're psychologically good. programming you to destroy yourself, people out there. Yeah. Well, we are trying to bust through. And I know Jerry mentioned um, Dr. Judy Wallerman and her book. Dr. Judy is actually based in, in Western Australia and was instrumental in, in getting the Light Australia um, awesome. happening, really. Yeah, really, really uh, tireless um, uh, rallier and, and fighter over here and, and has been for a long time. Um, and I think... We do have some great people getting involved and standing up. Some of the people who have written our article, well, anyone can write an article and, and put it and submit it through the website. You don't have to be uh, a well-known name already. You just have to have know what you're talking about and be able to back it up, essentially. Um, but we do have the likes of Dr. Judy Wallerman, who is an expert in public health and the sort of person that should have been referred to in, in recent years, not your GP who's, who's um you know hasn't been studying um vaccinations and these types of things they're only studying yeah. what they're given and they're yeah, given crap. yeah yeah and we've got uh professor augusto zimmerman uh has had articles in there he's an expert in in law and um uh you know from the legal perspective of all of this and dr joe joseph mccola sure if you're familiar with him out of the u.s he's been working on a lot of stuff for a long time over there. Mm. Uh, and the front cover of um, issue six was an article by Senator Malcolm Roberts. Uh, and he was talking about, um, you know, you know, the threat of losing cash in Australia. And we've got this broad and diverse range, you know, health and legal and uh, political and all these different sorts of 
backgrounds that people come from to say, actually, what I've been trying to say to you all isn't being communicated by the mainstream. doesn't mean there aren't people in these high-profile positions or, or knowledgeable positions that are trying to say this information, but it's it's not being picked up because it's it's not the agreeable narrative. And it's not because it's not the truth, it's because it's um it's not popular, right? It's not profitable as well. So I got a question for Jerry though. Back when you were a journalist, you didn't have to compete with TVs and phones. How has this technological generation we live in now affected pretty much everything in the last 25 years what's your view on that's yeah, a good question we, we were television was on the way up but newspapers were still dominant mm. i remember at, at press conferences with my uh, my, my uh, one of our photographers Todd campbell who was a legendary uh, photographer in in perth used to get me, I'm a fairly big bloke, he'd always get me to stand in front of the television cameras just to give them a hit, you know, just, just to piss them off. Uh, now, really, television itself is being is being superseded by social media, yep. it appears. And, and, yeah, it's a very good question. I, I'm probably not the best guy to answer it because I've, um, I haven't grown up with it. I'm, I'm, I'm a... I'm not very good at it, and mm. but the we are having a lot. There's there's some very nice experiences with the newspaper. I had a had a phone call from my dentist recently, just a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh no, don't tell me she's looking at an X-ray and found something that she's overlooked. She's a very good <laughs> dentist. She's Polish, and I've been leaving newspapers with her in, in the waiting room, and she said, Jeremy, my patients love your paper. That's so, so I good. Rushed down, I rushed down there with the latest edition, and, and it's a good place because people are sitting there for a while, waiting yeah. there, get into the chair, and for their nobody really looks forward to it much. So you're looking for something to read to take your mind off it, and it's a change from the Reader's Digest or the Women's Weekly or something. <laughs> and uh, the same with Anne's hairdresser, my partner's hairdresser. She's right into it, so she's all the ladies there waiting to have their their hair bundled up are uh, have a bit of time to read our newspaper. That's awesome. That's yeah. that's great. But we need like the information that people can get now is accessible so fast though. Like back when you were doing your thing, information, you know, a couple of days, couple of weeks. Now it's a couple of seconds and something new has come up on on their phones, whatever it is. It's like the information from back when you were doing it to now, it's super fast. Really fast. Again, but by, by the same token, the, the good information is there, and that's how I've found it. Yeah, I found and it I'm, too. I'm a very, very slow learner. And very early in the piece, I mean, Dr. Zelenko was there. He, he advised, he nearly broke through. He nearly got Donald Trump to go ahead with hydroxychloroquine. And Trump did use it personally. But I've seen this happen so often, but a, a president, a politician who's not an expert is is pushed pushed over, is, is just uh, isn't comfortable with with a high-powered academic or an expert, and you and they they win the day. In this case, Dr. Fauci, the, the villain of this story, one of the one of the major villains, along with Bill Gates and Rockefeller, of course, the usual suspects. Rothschilds. Yeah. Now, but these guys were there, on, and even I could find them. The uh, Pierre Corey and Peter McCullough were there early in the piece. 
speaking up. And these are very learned medical professionals. And they were in, they were in Australia. They, they, they spoke in Melbourne, Sydney, the Gold mm. Coast, and Brisbane. And we had Dr. Mal Hotra here, the very learned pediatrician, uh, heart specialist, cardiologist. And none of these people was interviewed on the ABC, to my knowledge, or Channel 7. And Mal Hotra was very controversial. He went public on the death of Shane Warne mm. in front of 2,000 people in, in Perth. So, so, it, so the, the, these same young people who are looking at their mobile, they can find these people quicker than I can. They can find okay. me. I googled myself the other day out of curiosity. Here we go. And there's a whole heap of stuff up there. Jerry Roberts, you know, retired journalist, whatever, talking away for hours, all sorts of interviews. And there's all my archive of story, you know, political essays I've been writing over the last six or seven years on, on pearls and irritations. So I found myself it was quite quite interesting. And so there's nothing stopping these guys, you know, with your mobile phone. You you can find it there. You can they can find it while I'm talking to them. It takes ten seconds. Mm-hmm. And you can find people like Paul Alexander. Have you found Paul Alexander? I have. He's fantastic. I love Paul Alexander. He was in the White House when this all happened. He was supposed to be the, well, he was originally the link man between the White House and the World Health Organization. And he was there when Donald Trump pulled America out of the World Health Organization, which is exactly the right thing to do. It's one of the most urgent things that we have to do mm-hmm. in Australia. We have to get out of the WHO. Very in with him, though. And I, I love watching Paul Alexander. He's a bit like me. He tries to tries to start off being quiet and peaceful and and methodical and calm and he gets gets revved up and he's so angry he just flies and he's got that delight that he's Canadian I think he must be from the Caribbean he has mm. that beautiful accent I've been to the Caribbean I've been to a big island there's a big French island in the Caribbean called so I think that's probably his connection with 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 French Canadians I'd love to meet him so there are all these people and, and, and these young people who are looking at garbage on, on their social media can just as easily dial them up. I agree. So so it's it should be a positive. Mm. It certainly can be a positive. To wrap things up, because we've been going for a while, just, just to wrap things up, if there's someone out there that's curious, that's having going to go and have a look at the light Australia, what would be your advice to those people, both of you? We'll start with Amy. What would be your advice to those people to start um, going towards the other side of the fence, for lack of a mean, better analogy. Okay, so do you mean if oh, we watching- planted a lot of seeds today? There's someone out there that's like, oh, I've been lied to. What would be your advice to those people to start their journey on learning some of this stuff? Yep. Okay. Um, if you, if they're looking for more information, then yeah. com is a great place to go. We Like we said, we do have all of our back issues online. Um, but I would also make a list of people that you trust and, mm. and go and talk to them and ask them questions that if maybe you've not been having some conversations uh, the last couple of years, if if they've been finding themselves sen- self-censoring, which we we all, um, or I definitely find I'm doing in, in some of my friendships, um, you make a list and go and speak with those people too and find out if they already actually know people 
that have had the same questions, have sought the same sort of answers that maybe just hasn't come up because they haven't known how the other person would react. So there could be people already in their in their um, group of friends or or neighbours or something that they can go and, and talk to as well. But if they're reaching out and they want to find out information, definitely thelightaustralia.com. Depending on where they live as well, um, I would recommend tracking down your nearest stand in the park. Yeah. And if you don't think you've got anyone in your area that you can go in and, and talk to, I was there at the park this morning um, now down the road from me for a couple of hours and we sit and we tap and nothing is off limits. If you're concerned about something, there will be someone who will sit and listen with you and it's a standinthepark.org, I believe is the website to go to for that as well. There's so many. That's started in Australia as well. There's so many around the world now. Uh, places that you can go that's close to you that you can connect in with people if you are feeling isolated, um, then I guess it's to, to try and build yourself a community or, or mm. find a community that you can be part of and be welcomed into because they're definitely out there. You are not alone. Yes, good advice. Anything yeah. else to add, Jerry, before we wrap things up? Thank you for your time, by the way. I'm, I'm not good at this side of it <laughs> because I have been so outraged by this whole project since it started nearly four years ago now that I, I don't hold my temper very well, I'm afraid. So yeah. I'm better off just saying, oh, just Google me. Look <laughs> me up. Look up look up Jerry Roberts on you on YouTube or Jerry Roberts uh, with a J. There are quite a few Jerry Roberts around and they're not all some of them, some of them have passed on, but they'll they'll work out which is one. Because I'm afraid I can't hold my temper with people who are still believing this nonsense and who still think it's okay to force people to be injected to have their jobs. Mm. Injected with with any damn thing, really, but in particular with a dangerous therapeutic. Genetic therapy. Genetic therapy is is a risky risky operation. It's mm. it's a high risk therapy, and it's only used for people who who are prepared to take that risk. So, so I'm I'm not very good at. Uh, Amy's much better at it than I am. So you better. Uh, we'll go with Amy's. We'll leave that one go there. With, thank you so much, both. Thank you both so much for your time today. It's been awesome. I've. Yeah, I can just see how this has all just changed so much in fifty to sixty years and. Yeah, to have someone like like you, Jerry, that's standing up because a lot of, I know a lot of older people in my life took this thing, and I'm glad there's someone of your experience that hasn't fallen for the trap. So credit to you, Jerry. You're a good man. Well, I don't know about that, mate, but but it's, it's over to you now. In my generation, we're we're in the exit lane of the freeway. It's it's one way traffic, and it's not slowing down. The future is with you. It's your generation. We're just passing on a little bit of advice. Those of us who are still on deck. Well, I appreciate your time and your advice. And I hope anyone out out there listening has also appreciated your wisdom as well. Amy, thank you as well. Um, This has been the Breaking Free podcast. I'll see you guys again real soon with some awesome guests. We'll catch up soon and we'll see you later. Thank you very much.